Uh, would you stand with me this morning? Um, we're going to read our scripture for today. I think you guys might recognize this one. Once you read it out loud with me, if it's, it's on the screen or you can follow along in your scripture. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father God, we're so thankful that you are our good shepherd. We love you so much. God, we're, we're so thankful. I just, I just pray that you would speak and you would reignite this, this word that we've heard so many times in our hearts this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're talking in this series, even though, about defiant faith. We're talking about a kind of faith that when life closes in, your faith doesn't deflate, it actually inflates more. Now, that kind of sounds backwards to us, but every time that we turn the page in Scripture, we find people who are in circumstances and situations where they shouldn't really have faith. Daniel, who's in the lion's den, you're thinking, that's the night that your faith is going to deflate, right? I'm just trying to follow God. I'm just trying to honor Him. I'm just trying to be obedient to what he's called me to do. Now I'm going to be dinner for some big cats. God, why did you put me in here? How did this all work out? What were you thinking? Did you not hear me? Why didn't you answer my prayer? I thought you were for me. I thought you were on my side. And look, here I am. It must not have been true all along. What you said, uh, you must not be who you say you are. No. That's not, that's not what Daniel said, was it? Daniel is in the middle of a lion's den surrounded by hungry lions. And he says, I believe God can close the mouth of the lion. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. So how do you get that? How do, you, how do you have forged in you that kind of defiant faith? We talked about midnight in Philippi, if you've been around for this even though journey, Paul and Silas in the stocks in prison, in the middle of the night, beat up for their faith in the name of Jesus. This is, this is where faith deflates, right? You know, we were on a missions trip, we're just trying to honor you, God, and this is what we get for that? No, the scriptures say that at about midnight, the two brothers, they were singing hymns. They were singing praise to God and all the prisoners were listening. Yeah. <laughs> all the prisoners were listening and I, it was the first jailhouse rock way before Elvis. And, and I look at Paul's life and I look at Silas' life. And I look at all the people who are my heroes in the story of God in scripture and many of them come up against even though moments. Noah, even though 
I've never, ever, one time seen it rain. I'm going to build a boat. <laughs> right? Last week, even though war broke out against me, I will be confident. Habakkuk, we read about in our first week, even though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the fields produce no food, even though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, even though, even though, even though, even though, yet I will rejoice in my God. How do you get an even though faith? Not the faith of a Christian who believes God in the sunshine, but kind of sort of wilts under the pressure in the night. I believe we've seen that it has a lot to do with where we have our focus. And, and what we see today is another even though I will moment in scripture. It's one of the most favorite um, sections of scripture, if not, you know, the most, maybe besides John 3:16, the most famous collection of verses in the Bible. And it's in Psalms 23, and this is what it says, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't it amazing that these even knows are just right there in the text? <laughs> even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now we have, we have people in the room this morning who are walking literally through the valley of the shadow of death. Real death. Like the loss of a loved one, a burial, a funeral. So we know that this is part of our story that we're going to walk through the literal valley of the shadow of death. But you may be walking through some other death right now. The death of a relationship. The death of a dream. Or you tried to get into this program. Or into this school and it didn't work out. Or you're going for that internship and it didn't pan out. Or you thought that person was interested in you. But it didn't turn out. They just wanted to be friends. <laughs> And there's a death in a lot of things in our lives. The death of business deals. Some of you guys or ladies were trying to close on the death of a dream to have a son or a daughter. Maybe that window seems to have closed. And there's a lot of times that death seems to come into our story. And so we can identify with David when he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, where there's a real danger. There's a real danger lurking around every single turn. But he said, even though... I walk through that valley. Look at the next line. He says, I will. There's our I will. I will fear no evil. Even though I will. Even though I will. Even though I walk through a very dangerous season, I will not be afraid. How can you say, even though I'm walking through something that could take me out, I'm not going to be afraid? The answer falls right into our lap with what he says next. He says, because you are with me. You are with me. Imagine if we can really get our heads around that today. You, Father God, are with me. So whatever you're walking through right now, this is the good news. Not that God is just going to help you. This is the whole message. All, all you're going through is such a hard time right now. I'm going to pray that God will help you. I will, you got struggles. I'm going to pray that God will help you. I think sometimes, I think sometimes what God wants us to do is to take a step beyond that and say, you're going through 
a really challenging season right now. I just want you to see that I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. That he's with you in the darkness. That he's with you at the grave. He's with you at the cemetery. He's with you when you're sitting at the table now by yourself. He's with you when you receive the news. He's with you when you got the phone call. He's with you when you're sitting in the chemo ward. He's with you in the storm and in the wind and in the trial. And he's with you on the mountaintop and he's with you in the valley. He's with you. God Almighty, your shepherd is in it with you. I believe this is game-changing revelation. And it changes our prayer life. We don't pray, Lord, I'm in a storm, help me. We pray, God, you're saying that you're with me in the storm, so um, how are we gonna do this? <laughs> Amen? And it's a shift, it's a complete shift of life. Even though I walk through the valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you're with me. And if that's not enough, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in other words, I get comfort from the fact that you've got a staff that guides me and a rod that will beat the living daylights out of anything that comes against me. You protect me. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about Jesus. You know, meek and mild. Meek and mild Jesus with the beautiful hair and the sandals and the robe. <laughs> and how soft he speaks when he talks. You know, he's just wonderful and meek and the mild one. And he's always got the praying hands going. <laughs> no, he's a shepherd. I lived in Bayfield, Colorado. We lived in Bayfield, Colorado, where I got to experience, we got to experience firsthand what it was like to live in a community when sheep take over the town. I mean, we lived in a little community of 1,800 people. And these, these shepherds would, would take the sheep from the, the mountaintops and they would move them down to the valleys and they would move them back and forth twice a year. So we would have traffic jams in Bayfield. It wasn't cars, it was sheep. <laughs> and the first time this happened, the, the pastor phoned over to me <clears throat> in my office and he said, you should go out and you should experience what it's like. So I, I didn't know what to expect. I went out there into the road where this this wall of sheep was coming towards me down the highway. And I stood out there in the highway right in front of our church. And they, and I, you know, I was just like, I'm thinking I'm gonna pet a, lamb, you know, a sheep or something. But what happened was, they are so dumb. I tell you, they are so dumb. I, I stand there and this V thing starts happening. Half of them go this way and the other half went right into the parking lot of our church. <laughs> I was inadvertently, I guess, being the shepherd and directing half of them into the front lawn of the church. We were a shepherding church, praise God. <laughs> and so he is a shepherd that has a staff to poke and to prod and to guide and direct. So now when he refers to us metaphorically as the sheep in this text, let me tell you something, it's not a compliment. It's not. What do you mean by that? Well, he's not going, oh, you're so cute and cuddly and woolly and, you know, wonderful, my little sheep. No, what he's saying is, you don't see so good. 
and, and, and you're not real swift and you can't fight or protect yourself and you sometimes get your wool stuck in the briars and then you starve to death. Some nights you just go, oh look, we're all in the pen. We're all safe. We're all in a place that the shepherds provided. Well, I'm just going to go over here and I'm just going to go over here and I'll be back in like three months because they're dumb. <laughs> Why do you think it says in scripture that he will leave the 99 and go after the one? Because there's always one who's going, okay, we're here, we're in a good pen, I've got a good shepherd, we've got safety, we've got security, night watch, and then he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> dumb sheep, right? And so we need a shepherd. And, you know, think about this. This is how helpless I am. That my shepherd has to make me lie down in green pastures. You think about that? I'm not even smart enough to do that by myself <laughs> sometimes, right? He says, what he's saying here is I will lead you beside still waters. Hello, anybody want to be led by a good shepherd this morning? Anybody need some leading? He said, I'll lead you. He said, I'll restore your soul. Anybody like some restoration in their life? He said, I'll restore you. He said, I'll guide you. Anybody looking for guidance? Amen. Hello, we just solved all the world's problems and we're not even past the first few sentences of the promise. I'll make you lie down. I'll lead you in your life. I'll restore whatever you need restored in your life. I will guide you however you need to be guided in your life. I will guide you in these paths of righteousness for my name's sake. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shouldn't fear any evil because I'm going to walk through the valley with you. I'm going to be there in the valley with you and I've got a staff to guide you and a rod to protect you. And I hope that brings you comfort. More than just southern comfort. More than just something in a bottle. Or something that you can take in a pill at night. Or any other thing that you go to to feel okay about the fact that you're going through a valley. I hope you take comfort in the fact that I'm right there with you. I'm with you. And I've got what you need to protect you in the middle of the valley. I hope that brings you some comfort in your life this morning. And then he goes on to say, that's not the end of the promise. Here it gets a little interesting, and we're going to drill down into this, and we're going to stay on this for the last half of the message. He says, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil so much so that your cup is going to overflow. In other words, you're going to be the person who not only He's not only got enough, you're going to be the person that's got more than enough. He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide for you. And then with the, the scripture that Nick brought out for us after this first song, he says, I'm going to follow you around 
And we know what follow means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you around. Is it okay if I follow you around? Is it okay if I follow you? You mind if I follow you? I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. I'm going to follow you this year and next year and, and a year after that and next week and the week after that and this season and the season after that. And I'm going to follow you with goodness and with mercy. Goodness and mercy. I'll be right there behind you going, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm with you. I just want to let you know that I'm with you and I love you. I want you to know that I've got goodness for you. I'm here cheering you on until you come to rest in my house that I have prepared for you forever. Is it okay if I follow you? I'm going to follow you. Now, how many of you would like to be led by a shepherd like that? The, this promise, now I know we've heard this scripture so many times, many of us. This promise is not just needlepoint on grandma's pillow. Because that's where our head can go sometimes. We've seen it so many times. We have it framed over the dining room table. The Lord is my shepherd. Took somebody about seven months to get that thing done. But don't go there. Come here and understand that Jesus is in the room right now, offering you all of that. Offering you all of that. He's offering all of us this promise this morning. And our opportunity in this room is to say, oh, no, thank you. I'm going to lead myself. Or, or, no, thank you, somebody else is leading me right now. And they're offering me the promise and showing me the way and telling me how it works. You know, I'm depending on them to tell me how to get to still waters and green pastures and to do good things for me. Or, we can just say, you know what? I need you in my life, good shepherd. I need you to make me lie down in the green pastures. All the things that you're offering, you're a good father. You have good things for me. And so I'm going to surrender to your leadership this morning. And I'm going to go where you say to go. And I love zeroing in on this verse 5. Because our message series that we're in is even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. But there's a beautiful twist here. And he says, you prepare, my shepherd, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, think about this. We would have written that a little bit different. If you really think about it, if we had the opportunity to write this little passage of scripture, we would say, and I thank you, God, that we're never going into the valley of the shadow of death. I thank you, God, that you're the good shepherd and you just lead me right around that. And then I would have written, and thank you so much that you wipe out all of my enemies. Right? Wouldn't that be your Psalm 23? <laughs> I'm so glad that we do not have to go through the valleys, that we don't have to go through the shadows, and don't have to go through death. And I thank you that you have wiped out all of my enemies. And then to finish it, I would finish it this way, and then prepare a table for me in your presence. Right? I... This is what we'd want, right? Get me out of the valley and into your presence. 
Eject me out of the circumstances and just get me with you. I'm, I just want a table with you and your presence. Anybody with me? So he said, no, I've got a better idea. I'm going to set a table with you, but I'm going to do it in the presence of your enemies. And, and I'm going to bring my presence and my person at the table with you in the presence of your enemies while you're surrounded. While you're surrounded, you and I, we're going to sit at a table together and this is going to be the most amazing gospel of all. And you're thinking, well, I'm not so sure I buy that, Jesus. <laughs> There's a big reason why I think he did it this way, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But before we get there, let's just talk about this table for a second. And this, this is really great for me today because I'm functioning at about 50% today and I get to sit now. <laughs> so here's the table. It's a table for two. And the beauty that this shows us in this passage of scripture right now is that this is what our relationship with God is all about. This is what our relationship with God is all about. He didn't say, I'm going to prepare a table for you and I'm going to put a manual on it. Just read it. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going to put a table there and I'm going to set it for us. And I'm going to invite you to the table. And when he said table, that meant something in the mind of the person at the time um, of the 23rd Psalm because they lived in an arid environment. So food, cold drink, water, cool water, these are precious commodities. And so putting a spread out for somebody was the ultimate act of generosity. So God is showing us, number one, he doesn't have a scarcity mentality. He has a generosity mentality. And even when you're surrounded by enemies, he says, I'm going to prepare a table for you and I'm going to put a spread out for you. Now, you're not my enemies this morning. At least I don't think you are. And if you are, just let me know uh, a little bit later, slip a note under the table or something. But for the sake of this message this morning, you're my enemies, okay? And you're surrounding me. You're... <laughs> You're surrounding me. You're all the bad people in my life. You're all out to get me. Anybody, anybody um, have somebody in your life that's out to get you in your life? <laughs> but you're, you're my people, okay? So he says you're surrounded by pressure, circumstances, situations, um, a diagnosis, divorce, um, family collapse, internal structures, uh, struggles, depression, anxiety, addiction, a relationship that went bad, somebody's cutting you down, somebody's spreading rumors about you, somebody's trying to undermine your best efforts, whatever it is, it's pressing in on you. He says, I prepared a table for you in the presence of my enemies. This, my friends, is what following Jesus is all about. This is what following Jesus is all about. It's about relationship with him. It's about relationship with him. Everyone in the room may not know all the songs that we sing or why. Everybody in the room may not know all the scripture 
that we, that we recite our why. And everybody in the room may not know about Jesus and why, but every person in the room knows what this is, knows what it means to break bread. Everybody knows what this is, and this is what God is dreaming about for you. It's, it's, it's not over here like we would like to have it. I want to, I'm going to, I'd ask that you prepare a table for me in your presence away from my enemies. <laughs> because over there it looks like trouble. Those people are scary. I don't want to be in that circumstance. I want to be at the table over there just with you. But no, he says, I, I'm, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. No, put the table right here. We're going to be right there and I'm going to be in your presence. Would you like to sit down? Okay. Would you like a cup of cool water? Have any of you ever been in a situation where you're looking forward to some one-on-one -on -one conversation with either your spouse or a loved one or, you know, an important person in your life? And so you, you get a table at a restaurant and you're looking forward, you know, to some one-on-one -on -one time, some good conversation, whether it's over coffee or lunch and, you know, some breaking bread and some time where you get some real conversation happening at the table. Anybody, you know, you, you set some time aside in your calendar and you, you look forward to stuff like that, right? So one of my first times that I went out to California, I was a young youth pastor, and I got the invitation to go out and um, be a part of the, um, the, the, the task force for next-gen ministries in Foursquare. And it's a big deal for me. I was a youth pastor at the time, and... Um, was invited to, to go out and, you know, meet some of the, the big dogs in our, in our movement. And so I was really excited. I, we had this kind of thing set up where I was going to get to sit at a table with the big guy at the time. James Craft was his name. And we were going to have some one-on-one -on -one time. And I'd you know, sit down at the table and, you know, get to talk with him, which is a big deal. I was, I was really looking forward to it. We get there at the house, and we're hanging out with a bunch of my peers from um, all over the, the country. And through discussion, it was found out that I had never been to the um, infamous restaurant In-N-Out. Anybody have an In-N-Out burger in, in the place? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind, of a, it's kind of a California, West Coast thing, but it's a big deal out there. And so when they found out that I had not had the experience, all of a sudden, what the day became about was Sean having an in-and-out experience. And so my one-on-one -on -one time with this guy that I was looking forward to hanging out with became a group event. And um, we, they took me to In-N-Out, and if you've never been there, it's, 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 there's a few things on the menu, burgers, fries, shakes, and drinks. And they have this whole secret menu. It's like a secret society. <laughs> and they took me in there. They put a little hat on me. They bought me a t-shirt. They sang me a song. It was kind of scary. <laughs> um, and, you know, admittedly, I had a great time. <clears throat> I mean, it was this whole ordeal. We went out. Um, and they, they still talk about it when, when I go out there. It was a lot of fun. I love the food. I'm a fan now. But I didn't get in one word. I didn't get in one conversation. I don't remember one conversation that I was able to have with the next gen rep that I intended to sit down with that I was looking so much forward to. 
So anybody have that situation before? You know, you, you, have, you have a table, you're sitting with that one person, then somebody comes and invites himself and sits down at the table. It's like, oh, well, this is great. I was just kind of hoping I was going to be sitting here with my wife on her birthday. <laughs> that didn't really happen. I'm just... <laughs> but do you ever have that happen? So that, that was kind of the situation. I mean, I was so looking forward to some one-on-one -on -one conversation with this guy and so quickly and so easily it became this whole crew unintentionally and it was a blast admittedly um, but it wasn't what was intended so think about this think about this think about how fast the devil can get a foot at your table god's preparing a table for two and it's amazing how fast the enemy kind of kind of just casually comes up and invites himself. He sits at your table. Hey, you mind if I have a seat? How you doing? What's going on? How you feeling? How's that relationship going? <laughs> Tell you what, I don't know how you're in it right now. I mean, nag, 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 nag. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. It's always your fault. I don't know how you're doing it. It's awesome though, you're hanging in there. Good job. <laughs> How's everything at home? <laughs> Your dad's a deadbeat, you know. He didn't need to tell me that. Oh, Jennifer? Yeah? You heard about Jennifer, right? Oh, oh, you didn't? Oh, <laughs> well, watch out for her. You know what she said about you? <laughs> you know what she said to Bethany about you? She was all good when you were in the room. But man, the second you left, oh man, as soon as you walked out the door, I mean, she was talking all about you, so watch your back. Does that feel real? <laughs> Too real. <laughs> in two seconds, he's at your table. He's at your table. Your shepherd prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And before you knew it, the enemy was at your table. You're like, okay, but, you know, how would I know if he's at my table? A couple ways. I'm going to write these down really fast. Number one, if you've heard recently that it's better at another table than this table, then the enemy's at your table. Jesus said in his own words, John 10, 10, the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life to the full, right? So this table, this table is about life and life to the full. And so any other table is going to be about stealing and killing and destroying. And the enemy is not just going to come to your table dressed in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork going, ha! <laughs> He's... He, he, you know, would, would you like me to gouge, gouge your right eye out or your left eye out? He's not going to do that. He's going to sit down, looking all cool and calm. He's going to be looking like what you're looking for. He's going to be sounding like what you are listening for. And he's going to be telling you what you want to hear. If you're looking for a job, he's got a job. Nice little crisp little, you know, button-down blazer. And he's got the short cut, not too short, the pants and the narrow legs. It's just some good-looking lace-up shoes. And he's not going to come to the table and tell you that he's trying to kill you. 
He's going to come to the table and seduce you. He's telling you that, you know, you need to leave that wife because there's something better for you that's right over there. He's, he's telling you to abandon everything that you know about the truth and go do your own thing for a season because the grass is greener on the other side because there's, that's going to be what you want over there. The, the second thing I'll tell you how you know he's at your table. If you're hearing this in your head, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Now, this is wild because I'm thinking we're all in here today to worship. We've sung, you know, these amazing songs to God, and he's chosen to come and meet with us today. He's in the house. We're having this good time. But there are people that are sitting in this room 50 feet from you in this place this morning right now who are living behind the eight ball in life, and it's, it's, it's all they know. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not influential enough. I'm, I've never measured up enough. I've never done enough. I'm not good enough. And if you've heard that voice, the enemy's at your table. You say, well, how would I know that? Because the very next line that Jesus said, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Translation, Jesus gave his life so he could sit at the table with you. This, making this reservation, cost him everything. And I wonder this morning, if you would just come and sit at the table and eat his food and drink his drink and look into his eyes and reciprocate his love. And just say, my goodness, you must think an awful lot about me for all that you had to do, the lengths that you did to prepare this place for me, this table in the presence of my enemies. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So if you're a sheep, maybe that's not a big compliment. But the fact that the good shepherd gave his life for that sheep is a greatest compliment ever because it tells you that you're loved you're prized you're valued you're of worth and you matter to God a third way that you know the enemy's at your table some voices told you that you're not going to make it anybody we even repeat it we repeat it how are you doing I don't know I don't know if I'm going to make it why would we say that? I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. Anybody said that recently? I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I don't think I'm ever going to be the same. I don't know if I'm going to recover from this one. Maybe in your mind you're thinking, I'll never get back to where I was. It will never be the same as it was before. I'm, I'm not going to get through this. And some of you are probably thinking in real, very real terms. And, and I honestly, literally... Sean, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this or not. I've been contemplating my options. If you're thinking like that, the enemy's sitting at your table. So how would I know that? Because the shepherd didn't say that to you. The shepherd says, we're going through the valley. Amen? We're going all the way. 
And so we're going to have a story to tell on the other side. Me and you in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the enemy, we're surrounded. And I'm going to lead you all the way through. The fourth way that you know the enemy's at your table is if you've heard the voice that said, everybody is against you. Anybody heard that voice? <laughs> Everybody's against you. Everybody hates you. Your roommate hates you. Your class hates you. Everybody in your family is against you. Everybody at your job hates you. You talk to somebody and they say, yeah, I'm, I'm quitting this job because everybody there hates me. And you're like, well, I didn't even know you worked over there. I thought you worked over at that other place. And we're like, yeah, I left there because everybody hates me. Where are you from again? I thought you were from the other side of the river. How'd you get over there? Well, I, I left. My family hates me. Time out, maybe, if that's you. Because it's possible that somebody hates you, right? Anybody? <laughs> well, it may not be likely that everybody is against you, but it is likely that you're hearing that in your mind, and then you begin operating in that. And so you got your dukes up as a result. You've got your fists up. And you've got your wall up like 45 feet high worth, right? And so don't think about coming over here because if you come over here, I might look like I'm meek and timid, but I'll kick the light, living daylights out of you if you get anywhere near my wall because I got my dukes up. And I'm going to punch you before you punch me. Or I'm going to walk away before you punch me. Or I'm not even close enough that you can punch me because I know that everybody's against me. So I'm just not even going to put myself in the picture. And so the enemy, he just sat down at your table, and he's like, man, it must be rough to be you. Man, it must be hard being you. Man, everybody's against you. Everybody's trying to get you. And all the while, he's feeding you some treats at the table. And all of a sudden, you're over here believing something that isn't even true and missing what is true. Remember 2 Kings 6? The truth is that those are, that are with you are greater than those who are with them. Remember that? The armies had surrounded all of a sudden. Guys op God opens up the eyes of the servant, and you see the angels and the chariots and the horses on the hill, and you go, man, I may be surrounded by the enemies, and I might be surrounded by a bad circumstance, but God's got us all surrounded. And not only does he have us all surrounded, but the king is sitting at my table. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a season of life that I was feeling um, some pressure. And I was admittedly talking too much to the enemy. I gave him a seat at my table, probably letting him influence my thinking too much. And I was, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine at one of the summer camps that I used to oversee, um, someone who I knew had my back. Um, and I, and I like talking about this because you know that we all need somebody that has our back, right? We, we all need somebody. We need each other. We are, this is us. This is, this is what the church is about. So we, you know, we say things like, Joey, you know, he's got my back. Joey's got my back. And that's great, Joey. We love you, Joey. 
Thanks for doing that for me. You're awesome. You're amazing. I know you'll believe in me. I can count on you, at least most of the time. I know that you can keep confidence with me. I know that you, you'll pray for me. But come on. Everybody knows that Joey, you know, I, I can't go to bed tonight and, and feel complete comfort in the fact that Joey's got my back because Joey is five foot six. And he, you know, he's not all seeing and he's not all knowing. And he's, you know, I don't know, 179 pounds, or at least that's what he told me. <laughs> but can I just say this this morning? God's got your back. God's got your back. So anyway, I'm pouring out my heart. I'm sitting at the picnic table at Camp Hebron in Pittsburgh, Missouri. It's one of our four square camp locations. I had just been let go from my job. A really great uh, worship pastor position at one of our founding Foursquare churches in the district. Um, Sam Rockwell, our district supervisor, had planted the church. It was um, his church. The church was having a really hard time financially, and they had to let me go. Uh, when the pastor came in, he's a football coach, you know, kind of a tough guy. I had never seen him even get emotional before, but he had tears in his eyes. He said, I'm going to have to let you go, buddy. And, um, and you know, longer conversation they probably shouldn't have hired me in the first place they were just kind of in a rough place financially and so the problem is we had relocated and we had moved our family down to denver and we had been there for a year and a half and now i'm without work and had been for a couple months paying denver prices for rent so you do the math things weren't very good financially and so i was feeling pretty helpless pretty spent pretty at the end of my rope pretty empty, pretty useless. Zion was with me at the camp. I can't remember what I was doing at the camp that week. I'm sure I was music or video or speaking. I don't remember. I've been to a lot of camps. But a lot of times when I went around to these camps, my kids would get to go along with me in my next-gen um, district role. Um, they'd be able to come along as one of the perks of the job. And so he happened to be with me for this trip. And my pastor friend, who honestly doesn't know me that well, we're more acquaintances than anything. We knew each other as pastors, peers in the district. She's a pastor uh, in Kansas. Um, she looks at me and she says, she's been in ministry uh, longer than me. And she says, I want you to look at Zion. He was, he was we were sitting on the, on the picnic table. He was over playing in the pool. Look at Zion. See how carefree he is right now? Playing and splashing in the pool without a care in the world? Do you know why that is? She said, it's because he's with you. He's with you. And he knows that when he's with you, that you're going to take care of him. You're going to do everything in your power to make sure that everything is right in his world. So even when trouble comes, he knows that you're going to protect him. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, she's right. I believe that. I, I would do anything. Then she looks at me and she says the words that just changed my whole perspective that summer. And they keep on coming back to me week after week. Changed my whole perspective. I was, I was really in a place where I was broken. I was hurt. I was 
feeling useless. I'd let the enemy at my table. She looked at me and she said, God's with you and he would do anything for you. That's what God's gonna do for you. She said, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. So I need to stop telling myself that I'm not good enough. I need to stop trying to manage all the outcomes. I need to stop worrying about what other people are doing and I need to realize that the king of the universe is sitting at the table with me. Amen? And I let the enemy sit down at the table and convince me of things that are not true. And I just took those words to heart when she said those to me. And in my mind, I can remember myself just saying, you may prowl around. That's what you do. That's what the scripture says, that you prowl around seeking someone to devour. And I can't stop you from prowling around, but I can tell you this, you cannot sit down at my table. Come on, church. We've got authority and we've got power. In Jesus' name, to claim what Jesus has provided for us. And you've got that authority to say, look, I can't stop you from prowling around, but you cannot sit down. Just like the shepherd did when the enemy came to his table. Why don't you turn this rock into bread? Remember that? Why don't you turn this rock into bread? That tastes amazing, right? Jesus said is written that Man shall not live by bread alone. Don't you think you're going to sit at my table? And our shepherd at another time said, get behind me, Satan. Right? No, sir, not at this table. This is the table that my shepherd has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. So, A good question to ask, an honest question to ask is, why in the presence of my enemies, right? Why in the presence of my enemies? Because what gives God more glory than you sitting in the middle of it all going, I'm okay. I'm okay. God is with me. He's providing for me. I'm okay. Instead of coming to work tomorrow, fighting everybody, I'm going to bring some of the overflow. You know, I could go around, hey, my God prepared a place for me in the presence of my enemies. And let me show you what he's given me. I mean, the enemy told me that you're against me, but I, I hey, would you like some of that? How you doing? You know, right? I, I want to tell you that you probably don't want it. I'm a little sick, but <laughs> hey, instead of listening to what the enemies told me, I'm going to give from the overflow. 
You see what's happening here? When I do that, what's happening there is this is my cup overflowing. My cup overflows. That's what this table represents. He set a table for me out of the abundance of what he has, and I can offer that to other people who need a drink. It says my head is anointed with oil, and I can have the reflection of the shepherd on my face. It's not your reflection on my face. I have his reflection on my face. I'm not looking over my shoulder at you. I'm looking straight into the eyes of my shepherd. And I can look straight at him. And I'm telling you something. I'm okay. I can say I'm okay at the table with my king. I'm okay at the table with my shepherd. And yes, there's a storm. And yes, it's dark. And yes, it's long. And yes, I've got enemies, but I'm going to be okay. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Amen. Let's stand. You're with me. Amen. So don't give the enemy a seat at your table. You have the power as a son or a daughter of God in Jesus Christ to exercise defiant faith. And this morning, it could be just a whisper. You may not be ready to shout. Maybe you don't have the voice. (laughs) Get away from my table. But let me encourage you. It might be even just a little whisper that says, you've been stealing from my table for long enough. You've been eating my food for too long. You've been drinking my water for too long. And every day that I've entertained your words and your thoughts, I'm having a conversation with a killer. And I say, get away from my table jesus get away from my table and actually you know what i'm not even worried about where you are you getting away from the table because what i'm going to do is i'm just going to focus on my shepherd i'm going to look into his eyes and i'm going to lock eyes with him and i'm going to listen to every word that comes out of his mouth father god we're just so thankful that you've prepared a place for us to be in your presence one-on-one with you i'm your favorite (laughs) you picked me you want to sit with me god you prepared out of your bounty a place at your table in the middle of the mess that i'm in but i know because of the truth of your word that you've got us surrounded. I don't have to be worried because you lead me, you guide me, you direct me, you protect me with your rod. 
you comfort me. You make me to lie down in the green pastures. God, your promises are so good. You're a good shepherd. And how you provide for me, God, I'm so thankful. What an honor and what a privilege it is to sit at your table. God, give me the wisdom and the ability and the strength to have a defiant faith to say to the enemy, not today, Satan, get away from my table. I'm not listening to your lies anymore. I'm going to go to the place that he prepared for me. Even when I want to go my own way. Forgive me for saying it this way, but like the stupid sheep that I am. (laughs) Even when I want to do my own thing. God, give me the wisdom to follow the lead of my good shepherd. God, we're so thankful. you're here this morning and you need to re-surrender your life or surrender your life to the first time to the good shepherd let me tell you this morning he's prepared a place for you he's prepared a table for you he's a good father and his plans for you are good We try to do things our own way and what happens is just like the sheep, we get ourselves caught and stuck and trapped and lost. But the good thing about our good shepherd is that he's faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves you so much. He will follow you with goodness and mercy, relentlessly pursue you. So if that's you this morning with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, I would say yes to following my good shepherd for the first time today. Nobody's looking around. We're not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you just raise your hand up high in the air? We want to pray with you this morning. Is there anybody? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I follow hard after you. You are my shepherd. Lead the way. All that I have is yours. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying for me so that I can have freedom, so that you can protect me, so that you can guide me, so you can prepare a place for me. I'm stepping into that this morning, and I'm so excited. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. He's a good shepherd. Amen. 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 Well, our God is a good, good God. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to just sit down and just kind of rethink through some scripture that we've read a thousand times and just take another look at it and just know that he prepares a place for us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. Amen.